0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: We started a new series entitled The Big Picture, The Big Picture, and, and I started it last week, and in, in this series, we're sharing principles from Scripture that give us the big picture of what God wants to do in our lives, how He wants to live, lead us into kingdom living, living in, in the boundaries of His kingdom. And all of us navigate life based on what we believe is truly important but if if i don't see what god sees life can become really confusing and unclear at times if i can see god's big picture and see what he sees it tends to help me see through the fog of all that's going on around me and last week i started this series and i talked about life death and eternity and i'm gonna tell you something if you don't get life death and eternity settled in your mind and see the big picture of all of that Your whole life will be a ball of confusion because you won't be able to sort things out if you don't have an eternal perspective on life. So if you weren't here or didn't hear the message last week, take the time to go back and listen to the message. If you're watching online and didn't see it and didn't hear it, you'll want to check it out because it really helps bring some clarity to the big picture of life. But, you know, in this life, I think the most important thing we can do is prepare for the next life. Let that soak in a minute. In this life, the most important thing I can do is prepare for the next life, for eternity. And last week I talked about death, life, eternity. I want to back up a little bit, and today I want to focus on life. And I want to give you some perspective that I think may help us from Scripture when we talk about God's kingdom and kingdom living now and forever. I want to talk about life. And last week when I talked about life, I I really only got into one little part of it, And it was this. We looked at Psalms 39, also James chapter 4. And we talked about the fact that life is short. Life is short. I don't care how long you live. When you look at life and compare it to eternity, we are a vapor. We're a mist. We're here for the moment and then we're gone. So we need to understand what is the importance of this life? We could talk for hours about the importance of life from Scripture so I want to narrow it down to two or three things today but first of all look at first Peter chapter 2 as followers of Christ there's something that we need to understand when Christ becomes our Savior we become a part of God's family we enter into the kingdom of God and therefore God invites us into kingdom living I talked a little bit about this last week but look at first Peter chapter 2 beginning at verse number 9 here's what Peter wrote but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation now, now pause just a moment who's he talking about here us all right everybody say us okay if he's talking about us he's also talking about me He's talking about the church as a whole, God's family as a whole, and we'll do more teaching on this later on in this series. But here's what I want you to see. He says, you are, you are, we are, I am part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Then he goes on to say this, his own special people. Turn to somebody and say, I'm special. I'm special to God. I may not be special to you. You may be looking across the aisle over there at Rob saying, I'm special. And Rob's thinking, yeah, I'm not sure you're so special. God thinks I'm special. Okay? God says I'm special. We're his own special people. Now, notice what it says next. That you, that we may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, now pause here just a moment. Okay? I'm going to go to the next verse in a second. But I want to emphasize this for a moment. If he's called us out of darkness, how many can lift a hand and say, I have been called out of darkness. I had an old life. Thank God I've got a new life now. If so, we should be praising God that he's called us out of darkness. Look at the next verse, verse number number 10. We once were not a people, but we are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now we have obtained mercy let let me start with this today god has given us when we accept christ as our savior he's given us a new life but he's also given us a new path of life i talked about it last week but i want to go back to it for just a moment What repentance is all about is is it's accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. Realize we've been on the wrong pathway, but repentance means action. So we turn and we begin to walk God's pathway. That's what repentance is. It's turning and getting on, walking out God's pathway for our lives. Now, here's what, what Peter wrote that I want to focus on today. We are called out of something, out of darkness, out of sin, out of death. But God called us out of something to call us in to something new. See, some of us live our lives focused on, well, God called me out. God called me out of sin. He called me out of darkness. I'm out of sin. I'm out of darkness. I'm out of that. I'm out of that. And we live our lives looking over our shoulder. The question today is, if God has called us out of something, what has he called us into? A new life, a new way of life, life with blessings, a new pathway to walk that brings God's blessing into my life now and throughout eternity. God has called us to that life, life in his kingdom. Jesus talked about this life. He compared it to the old life. He said, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he comes to do. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. The God kind of life. God's presence in everything that you do in this life. This is what he's called us into. So I think we need to stop focusing on what we're called out of and stop talking about the old days of darkness. And we need to start focusing on the new pathway, the ways of life into which God has called us. I need to get my attention there, not back there. What's ahead of me, not what's behind me. Now, in in John chapter 17, Jesus was praying for his disciples, and as you read the prayer, he began to pray for us as well. But here's what Jesus said in John 17. Father, I do not pray that you should take my followers out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then Jesus said, sanctify them, set them apart, put them on this pathway, make them different by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, first we talked about he's called us out of something into something, out of darkness into life, out of death into life, into this new pathway. The next thing I want you to see is we have to understand that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of this world. It's just different. Jesus said it best, and you know, we've capitalized on it in many ways. We are in this world. How many of you are living in this world? Okay, There's a few of you. Sometimes I wonder about you. Uh, but most of us recognize we are living in this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world remember a few years ago when the t-shirt company got so popular and you see everybody wearing those shirts not of this world not of this world it's what Jesus said Jesus said I'm not of this world therefore you're not of this world you're in this world but you're now in the family of God you're in a new kingdom and you have a new lifestyle so therefore you need to look to your new king to tell you how to live life and, and Jesus prayed and said father Put them on this road, sanctify them, separate them from the old life, put them in the new world, in the new life and do it by your word. Do it by your word. In the Old Testament, we, we quote this all the time, Psalms 119, 105, God's word is a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our pathway. It shows us if we're on the right path or if we're on the wrong path. It shows us where we are, it shows us where we need to go next. So we are separated from the world as we walk with God in the new life. So I need to commit myself to that new life. Paul said it this way. Don't let anyone rob you of God's blessings that come on that pathway. That's Colossians chapter two. James said it this way. Friendship with the world makes God my enemy. That's strong language. That's not the words of Pastor Gary. It's the words of James. Friendship with the world, love of the old life separates me from God's life and makes God my enemy John in 1 John chapter 2 said this do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever this pathway is the path to eternal life and, and before I get to the next thing one last little thing I want to say here every kingdom has governing laws every kingdom every nation has governing laws as does God's kingdom and when we preach about God's laws this is not legalism you know for the last several years there's been such a move towards grace in our country and thank God for grace I believe in scriptural grace don't misunderstand me but somewhere along the line, a lot of people begin to think because of God's grace, there are no governing laws over our lives. You're kidding yourself. Scripture is full of God's governing laws for our lives. Every kingdom has governing laws. God's laws are not there to put us into bondage. They're, to, they're there to put us on a pathway where we receive God's blessing and everything that happens in our lives. So we need to know what God's kingdom is about and what his governing laws really are. So next, I want to go to Matthew 25, and we're going to read several verses here. We're going to read all of a parable found in Matthew 25. And I want to dive in a little bit more into this concept of living life for eternity, living life with an eternal perspective. Matthew 25, we're going to start at verse 14. Here's what Jesus said. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now follow the story with me. This man's going to travel to a far country, calls in his servants, delivers his goods to them. To one he gave five talents. To another, two talents. To another, one talent. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. In other words, he doubled his money. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. He doubled his money. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But now the story changes. Look at the next verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. You're a tough guy. You're a tough businessman. You have tough expectations. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Now notice what he says. Give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And finally, verse 30. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a pretty somber parable that Jesus gave here. But it comes down to really, I think, a couple of simple principles. God has given every one of us something very, very precious. You know, if you read this story, talents, it's really talking about money. The kingdom of God is not dependent upon Dollars and cents. Now, we we need money to function to do the work of the ministry, but God's kingdom doesn't need dollars and cents. God can, can create whatever he needs. This is not about how much money do you have at the end of your life. That's not the story. The story here is what do you do and what have you done? What do I do in my lifetime with what God has given me? Your person, what God has invested in you, Scripture says when God made man, he saw something of himself in man. We're made in the likeness and the image of God. We are made. we, We are precious. We are valuable. We're given gifts and abilities. And sometimes God drops spiritual things in our lives to share. The question is, what have I done and what am I doing with the precious things that God has given me? Talked about one guy that he had a lot going for him. And he used it and doubled it. Another guy had quite a bit. He, he used it and doubled it. Another guy didn't think he had much. He went into hiding, and at the end, he lost all of it. See, today, as we look at this story, I need to tell you something. One of the most important principles for success in life and kingdom living is taking responsibility for myself. Boy, it's quiet in this Unitarian church today. How many, how many people do we have in the building? You're either, you, you own your own business or you're in management somewhere in, in business. Hold your hand up just a second, I want to see it. Then I should get a lot of amens. You can put your hands down. I should get a lot of amens when I say this. One of the greatest failures of people today in our world is they don't want to take responsibility for their own lives. Do you know why some people arise to management and others generally don't? It's because they don't take responsibility. Now, I know I'm going to say, well, I can't believe you said that about me. I didn't say it about you. I said in general, okay? Okay, so please, I'm going to make a point, so stay with me. If I'm going to have a successful walk with God, I need to take responsibility for my walk with God. Well, God's going to do what God's going to do. And, you know, I don't have any control over what God does. And, you know, he he wants some people to be successful. He wants some people to be losers. And I'm just going to roll with the flow and whatever happens happens because that's how God calls it out. Let me tell you something. That's nonsense. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them authority over the earth, and he said, dress it and keep it, take care of it, and I'll bless your efforts. He gave them responsibilities, and then as they took care of their responsibilities, it was blessed by God. Let me tell you something. If you're not willing to take responsibility for your life, it's always going to be a mess. Okay. Let's turn it around. Pastor Gary, if you don't take responsibility for your life, you're going to be a mess i guess got to get some amends on that one, see. Put myself at the front of the line. But so many people live so foolishly and they don't want to take responsibility for their lives. Let me tell you something. We have very little control over the world around us, but we have total control over the choices we make in life. Total control. So let's ask some questions. Ask yourself, what am I doing with my life? God's given me this precious gift and he's given me giftings and abilities. What am I doing with what God's given me? How am I handling what God's given me? If I stand before God tonight, what do I say? What do I say? See, some of us go through life with a million regrets. And all God wants us to do is turn from the old life, get on the new pathway, take responsibility and say, God, I'm going to walk with you and then watch God work in our lives. That's what he's looking for. Now, the next few minutes, I want to talk about three things that cause us to detour from the path of life and the path of blessing. Probably not the only three things, but three things that cause to tend us to detour. Now, let me me, me just give you a, a bit of an introduction to this part of my message. I am a little bit old school. Some of you figured that out already. Okay. Some of you looked at me and said, well, you look like you're old school. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. I like my boots. Uh, I am a little bit old school. But here's here's the point I want to make. You know, today we're told if you're going to talk to people, don't ever call them out, don't ever point out at anything where we might be missing it. Just make everything sweet and positive so people will like what you say. Well, Scripture tells us that the Word of God's given to correct some of the things in our lives. So I want to talk about three things that tend to get us off this pathway. Because I'm assuming that every person in this building, every person watching online saying, I want to be in God's kingdom, I want to walk with God, I'm out of that life, I'm in this life, so I want to get on this road and stay there. Okay, let me show you three things that you need to be careful of, okay? Three things that'll get us off that pathway. Number one, excuses. Excuses. Excuses are convenient mistruths excuses are lies in a pretty package. It would sure help me if you'd smile at me this morning, okay? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to that guy across. I'm talking to Rob, okay? Rob <laughs> won't get too offended. It's lies in a pretty package. See, excuses, this whole thing about excuses, it begins when we're young. Johnny, did you brush your teeth? No, I couldn't. My sister was in the bathroom, and she took too long, and I fell asleep, so I, I didn't get a chance to brush my teeth. Johnny, did you do your homework? No, the the dog ate my homework, teacher. It starts when we're young, and then if it's not checked and corrected, it just runs rampant throughout our lives. And one of the things that we parents are responsible to do is to call out our children and say, Hey, when you're making excuses, you're lying to me, you're lying to yourself, you need to learn to live with the truth. This is good this morning. This is good. Problem with excuses is it's human nature to make excuses. But it's our fallen human nature to make excuses. It's not our God's nature. God's nature is truth. So we go all throughout life, and whenever we get under pressure, and, and things didn't go right, and we didn't handle things correctly, and we didn't take responsibility, what do we do? We make excuses. I heard a story a couple years ago. i told this once, maybe. Uh, you know, it, it's getting to the place in our world where I can't even tell jokes anymore. Anytime, you know, everybody, somebody gets offended at every joke you tell nowadays. Do you ever notice that? I heard a story a couple of years ago there was this there was this older gentleman he retired he was divorced lived by himself lived a bit of a lonely life he wasn't wealthy but he had enough money to be safe and he, he always wanted a sports car he always wanted a sports car and finally one day he went down and looked at the, the new sports car that he liked and he saw it and he said wow i want this so much and he realized I've got money to pay for this. I may need to make a couple of adjustments in my life, but I'm gonna buy this sports car. So this guy got this sports car and it was fast. I mean, it'd go almost 200 miles an hour. So he got this sports car, he gets in it, he drives off the lot, he goes over, gets on the interstate and starts driving up the interstate, gets outside of town where the road opens up and traffic's light. And he says, let's see what this baby will do. And he steps on the gas, and it goes up to 85, 90, 95. First thing you know, he's doing 125 miles an hour, and he's flying down the freeway. And he looks in his rearview mirror, and he sees red lights on back there. And this cop, this highway patrolman, is right on his tail trying to stay up with him. And he thinks, oh, my God, I made a mistake. And then it dawns on him, wait a minute. If he's doing like 125, he can't go any faster than that. This thing will do 200 miles an hour. So he just steps on the gas and leaves the state trooper behind. He's flying down the interstate. And finally, he has a moment when he realizes this is stupid. So he shuts it down, pulls off on the shoulder of the road and waits. Sure enough, the the, the trooper catches up to him, pulls in behind him, walks up to the window, and looks at the old guy and says, Sir, do you know how fast you were driving? And he said, Yeah, I just got this car and I've always wanted one, I just had to see what it was doing. He said, No. Do you understand how fast you were driving? He said, Yeah, I I know, I know. And he said, you know what? By law, I I gotta take you to jail. I got, I can't, I can't write you a ticket. You were going so fast, I have to take you to jail. But here's the deal: my shift ends in 20 minutes, and I don't want to take you to jail and book you and go through all that because I have to work late. I got plans with my family tonight. If you can give me a good reason why you were doing over 150 miles an hour, I might let this slide. The old guy looked at him and said, well, officer, I'll tell you the truth. 30 years ago, my wife left me for a state trooper. And and when I saw your lights, I was afraid you were bringing her back. (laughs) He got off. He got off, okay? Now, I know somebody's going to be offended at me for that, but that's okay, okay? (laughs) What an excuse. What a good excuse. But here's the problem with excuses. They keep us from dealing with truth, and they put us on a pathway where we're walking along here, and all of a sudden, well, this is truth. uh, Let's take this little side journey right here. And they start going down this other pathway. The first thing you know, my excuses take me off of God's path. Let me illustrate it to you from Scripture. The story in the Old Testament of Israel out in the wilderness traveling. Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Supernatural things about to happen. But down below, the people are partying. They're going crazy because the lawgiver has gone. They're out in the middle of nowhere and they're just going nuts. And so they start saying, "Well, where's Moses? And Aaron says, I don't know. He went up on the mountain. He's been gone for days. There's thunder and lightning. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he's dead. I don't know. And they said, well, we need a God to lead us out of here. Moses has been leading us, but we need a God to lead us out of here. So they bring all their jewelry together. They melt the jewelry. And then it says that Aaron fashions this calf, this animal, to be their God. And the party's on, and they're worshiping this God. And so Moses comes down off the mountain and sees this party going on, and he's furious. And he calls them out and says, Aaron, what have you done? Aaron said... I don't know what happened. We we threw in this jewelry in the fire and out came this calf. Blame the flame. It's the fire's fault. Of course, Moses called them out and they paid the price for it. But, But here's the point. We've got to stop calling things that are not as though they were something else. Or things that are as though they're not what they are. We've got to face the truth and stop making excuses for our lives. Because God says, take responsibility and I will bless everything you put your hand to. Get on my pathway and stay there. Excuses get me off of God's path. See, God is truth. He sees through my excuses. And at some point in time, I will be held accountable. So let me ask you a question today. Because I know the Spirit of God speaking to people even after that stupid joke. The Holy Spirit speaking to some people today. What is my excuse for... Fill in the blank. What is my excuse for not using what God gave me? What is my excuse for not being who God said I can be? What is my excuse for veering off God's pathway and going over here. You know, you, you can even develop convenient theology and doctrine to take you off of God's path. If you do so, it's to your own hurt. But what is it? What is it? When this life is over and I stand before God, no excuses will be accepted. None. As a matter of fact, God says, I don't, I don't need your defense. I already know the truth. Here's what I see. Here's what happened. Here's the verdict. God is truth. So let's get excuses out of our lives. Number two, second word. I told you I'm old school. Second word is compromise. Compromise. Compromise is trying to live in two kingdoms at one time. It's it's trying to walk God's pathway and, and walk another pathway. It's like this. It's compromise. Or I'm going to walk God's pathway. I'm going to take this other stuff with me on God's pathway. And God says, no, you can't have that. Okay, well, I'll walk over here. And I, every now and then I'll step back on your pathway. Because I really am saved. I really am your child. But I, you know me. I just got to do things my own way. Compromise is like oil and water. You keep trying to mix it together, but it keeps separating. That's what compromise is. Let me, I, I was talking about the old guy driving the car earlier. What happens when you get out on the interstate, you get out on the freeway, and you're flying down the road? What happens when you start driving in two lanes at the same time? You get right on that white dotted line and you're back and forth line to line or you're trying to straddle that line you're driving in both lines at the same time well you're probably going to have a wreck or you're going to cause a wreck you're going to hurt other people bad things are going to come out of that because you get to drive in one lane at a time and here's here's the problem with compromise compromise is the opposite of commitment Now we say, well, no, no, no. Actually, just saying no is the opposite. No, if you say no, you say no, you're out of it. But compromise is saying, no, I'm I'm not going to commit to God. I'm going to pick and choose what I want and do things my way. That's what Cain did back in the early, early, early writings of the Bible, in Genesis, first few chapters. The first children born to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Cain brought an offering to God, and God said, that's not what I asked for. Basically, Cain said, Well, you'll take it and like it, or you won't be my God. And God said, Okay, I won't be your God. But his brother brought an offering God asked for, and his, he got so angry because God accepted his brother's offering that he killed his brother. That's what compromise does it puts us in a position where we want to kill the truth of what God says in His Word. Oh, no, no, I, I, God didn't really mean that. God didn't really mean that. No, no, that, that's not important. You know what? I'll live the way I want to, and God will like me the way I am. That's compromise. And you know, years ago, I was pastoring, and we, we were dealing with some people. We were having trouble getting a commitment from people to serve in a certain area. And everybody we talked to, we said, would you help us do this? And they said, well, uh, let me think about it. I might. I might. I might. And finally, we developed a new word in, in the dictionary. It's called commitment. A lot of us live without commitment, but we live with commitment. Would you do this? Uh, yeah, I might. Let me think about it. And then we put it out of sight, out of mind, and we never bear any weight of not committing to the ways of God. In Revelation chapter 2, I won't take time to read about it, but in Revelation chapter 2, there's the message of Jesus to the seven churches in Asia. And one of the churches was the church at Pergamos. And here's what God said about that church. Now listen to this. He called it a compromising church. And he said, they claim my name. They even defend my name. They wear it like a badge. They're even willing to take on persecution. But even in the middle of that, they compromised. And on this road of life, they've taken in things offered to idols. Things sacrificed to other gods. And then he said, the next thing they've done they've mixed up my word with other teachings it's like paul said they get itchy ears so they bring in outside teachings that don't line up with scripture and they do it to ease their own consciences and make them feel good about themselves then he said not only that they misuse my name they misuse my god my word trying to use it for ungodly purposes they try to put blessings and curses where they don't belong they bless things that i won't bless And then they curse things that I do bless. And finally he said this, not only that, it flows down from there and now they've fallen into sexual immorality and it's okay in their eyes to live in sexual immorality. Here's what God said. God said, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to get off of that road and get back on the right road. Because if you do not get back on the right road, God said, I myself will come and fight against you. Now I know, know, we don't, that's, that's not the kind of teaching we need to hear today. That's exactly the kind of teaching we need to hear. If I choose to compromise and mix my life with the things of the world that are sinful, I begin to fight against God. And at some point in time, God says, I don't need a church that believes that. I'll just step away. I resist you. I'll bless you no more. We're not gonna be that church. We're not gonna be that church, okay? We're not gonna compromise. We're gonna preach and teach the word of God. Because here's the problem. Compromise is a slippery path, and it only takes you further downhill. Compromise doesn't take you uphill. It takes you downhill. 1 Timothy 4, Paul told Timothy, there are people who speak lies and hypocrisy, and they have their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. God calls out over and over again, no, 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 you can't take that on my road. No, 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 get on my road. No, you can't go there. You can't mix this together. It's oil and water, and it's just shh. We burn it until we don't have to hear it anymore and it's gone. Oh, God's okay with it now. God's not okay with it now. We've seared our own consciences and we don't listen anymore. Compromise. Now, let me tell you a story about this. This is not as bad as the first one I told, okay? So, only only non-Texans will get upset at this one. Uh, years ago I had this friend and I haven't seen him in years, but he was a traveling minister. I went to hear him speak one night and he's a big guy from Texas. He had that big Texas drawl, and he preached that way. You know, really an interesting guy. And he told a story. He said he had been on the east coast of the United States, far from Texas, and he was preaching in a church there for several nights. And every night after service, he went into this little diner by the hotel where he was staying, and he would eat every night. And there was the same waitress in there. And every night, there there was a state trooper who would be in there, And he'd be down there at the other end of the counter eating because his break was the same time that this guy would come in after church. And he said, finally, one night after like five or six nights, the waitress came over to me and said, sir, you've been in here every night for a few nights. What are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm a minister. I'm preaching at such and such a church here in town for a few nights. He said, all of a sudden, that state trooper down there who'd been cursing and swearing and saying all kinds of flirty things to this waitress. Oh, he's, oh, man, a preacher in the house. He said, you know, I'm a religious man of sorts myself. And my friend kind of listened to him for a minute and thought, really? And he said, yeah. He said, but you know what? I, I, I was raised by people who believe in fence riding religion. You can ride the fence. You don't have to be fully on God's side as long as you're not fully in the world. You can kind of ride that fence and hold on to both sides and just kind of cruise along as long as you believe in God. That's all that matters. Ride that fence. My friend looked at him and said, well, sir, I don't know where you're from, but I'm from Texas. And down in Texas, our fences are made out of barbed wire. You might ride the fence, but you're not gonna ride it for very long. You're gonna get on one side or the other. That's what compromise does. At some point in time, we fall on the wrong side of the fence. Here's what Solomon said in Proverbs 6 Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon
0: you
1: know if if i know something in my life's interfering with my walk with god why would i keep it in my life i need to get on god's path so i can have god's blessings Jesus said enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it and one last thing real quickly the third thing that tends to get us off of God's path is distractions distractions yesterday at our at our men's meeting we had a great time yesterday Uh, One of the gentlemen talked about, uh, brought up the the parable of the sower. Talks about what happens in so many people's lives. In in Mark chapter 4, here's what Jesus said. These are the seeds sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. What are you doing with the Word of God that you hear and the Word of God that you read and the Word of God that you study? I told the story last week. Jesus said, The guy that hears the Word and builds his life on it is building on a rock. Doesn't matter if you're hearing the Word, if you're not building on it, when the storms come, you're in trouble. But you know, life is full of distractions. In this parable, Jesus said, you can get your roots in the ground, you can begin to grow, you can become stable, you can be moving along, and you can even look and say, wow, God's changing my life. But if you get distracted and you get off the right road, your life becomes unfruitful because your attention is diverted to other places. We've been talking about driving the roads today. One more illustration. What happens when you don't watch the road? How many of you have stopped texting and driving? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. About seven of you. (laughs) What happens when you're not watching the road? You wander into other lanes where there may be cars there. People in front of you stop and you don't see them stopping. Warning signs are ahead, speed limit changes, lanes begin to merge, and you don't see it coming when you're distracted. Being distracted is like being double-minded. Double-mindedness interferes with my trust in God and causes me to ignore the important issues of life. Man, if this isn't America today, I don't know what is. We are so caught up with so many issues, and we're not even thinking about the things that really matter. James chapter 1, James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you don't believe that, look at a guy on a freeway who's not paying attention. Unstable in all of his ways. When we become distracted, we lose focus. We wander. We need to stay focused and keep our eyes on the road, keep our eyes on the pathway God has for us, keep our eyes on the things that are important in this life. distractions, distractions lead to complacency. Distractions lead to complacency. You see, you text and drive. Well, I've been getting away with it. 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 it. We take longer and longer tension spans away from the road, longer and longer, Long. You know, I've seen people with newspapers driving down a freeway thinking, what in the world are you doing reading a newspaper on a freeway? It gets bigger and bigger and we become complacent until one day, bam. We slam into something we didn't intend to hit. Now I'm going to close. And I've already taken five minutes longer than I needed to, but I, I want to share this. It's really important. We, we're so focused on the pandemic in our world but there's a spiritual pandemic in the church world it's been there for a long time and that spiritual t- pandemic has been caused by us forsaking the laws of God and one of the laws listen closely, one of the laws that most of the church world has forsaken is right there in the Ten Commandments Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to use it for what it's intended to be used for. God worked seven days. He rested the seventh day. He said, I give you this pattern. Because when we have a Sabbath day, it gives us a time to rest and recharge our batteries, to refocus our perspective and our attention, and to make sure that spiritual matters are in line and we're on God's pathway. Some of us are so busy and so distracted, we don't have time for God. We don't have time for his Word. We don't even have time for an hour and 15 minutes church on Sunday morning. Because other things have got our attention. I know, some are saying, boy, this guy's legalistic. He's beating us to death. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you on the right pathway. i'm I'm not into off-roading any any folks here into off-roading you know we got people off-roading in our parking lots out here and the neighbors are complaining about it if that's you stop it okay please stop it i'm not into off-roading but i'm gonna tell you something there are a lot of christians who are into off-roading god's given us a pathway but no 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 i'm gonna get a four before and i'm gonna go navigate these other roads when it comes to the laws of god and the ways of god we need to stay on god's path See the big picture. See, okay, Gary, I see it. Okay, I need to make some adjustments. Is God gonna beat me to death for my failures? No, no. God will forgive our sins. But God responds to an honest heart. And some of us are seeing, man, I've missed it here. We're seeing that today. I've allowed some things to happen. What do I do? Make the adjustment. Turn and get on God's path. God will receive you. God will bless you. I want to pray for you today. If you've never committed your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart around this prayer, and we'll give you some more instructions in a few minutes. But I'm going to ask everybody, just bow your heads. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for people who love you, who love your word. I thank you that you've spoken to people today, and this message is very direct, very straightforward, but this, this is the big picture of life. We need to be focused on what our lives are all about, what we're doing with what you've given us. Father, right now, I believe you've spoken to many, many people in this building, many people watching online, that we need to make some adjustments in our lives and line up with your word. Father, I pray you'd give us the courage today to do just that. This moment is not about tears. It's not about feeling bad. It's about saying, I resolve to get off the wrong path and get on the right path. So, Father, I pray right now, as you touch our hearts and you begin to show us things that need to be adjusted, I ask you, I ask you to convince us your way is right. Your road is the road of blessing. Then allow us the blessing and the privilege of walking with you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose him to be the Lord of my life. I wrap my faith around Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Give me life eternal. I want to learn your ways and walk with you all the days of my life. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you welcome Pastor Corey as he comes right now?
0: Hey, can we say thank you to Pastor Gary for that awesome, awesome message? Such a fantastic word. Uh, As we prayed this morning, I prayed God encourage us this morning, and I prayed, too, God challenge us this morning. Anybody else love that we're in a church where we are challenged in our faith? I love it. Absolutely love it. Hey, if this morning you just wrapped your heart around that prayer, whether you're watching online or maybe you're in the building, that is the best decision that you could ever make with your life. We are so excited, and we want to walk this journey with you. So we've put together something called The Next Seven Days. And if you're in the building or if you're online, you can get it. If you're here in the building... You can get it in two ways. One, there will be prayer teams on either side of the auditorium right after service. You could go up to them. You could get prayer, but just tell them, hey, I prayed that prayer. Um, I want the booklet. They'll get it to you. If you're in a rush, before you get to the exit doors of the foyer, there's a counter right there. You'll see a, a sign that says the next seven days. Walk up right there. Tell them, hey, I prayed that prayer. I want the booklet. They'll get it to you. If you're watching online, uh, right there in your window, you should have a link. You can click that. Let us know you made a decision. If you can't find that link, if all else fails, just direct message us on any one of our social media platforms. We'll get you the next seven days. We feel like it's our responsibility, our obligation to help you walk out this next week in your faith journey. One more time, church, can we welcome people into God's family? So cool. So cool. This morning, Pastor Gary talked about excuses compromise and distractions. If there's anything I don't want to make excuses about, compromise, or get distracted in, it's my giving to God. And this is the moment where we get to worship God with our giving. And And thank you so much for being a church that is so obviously not distracted or making excuses or compromising. We are such a blessed church. Our ministry even through 2020 it was strong in so many ways, and, and that really is because of amazing, faithful, generous people like you so there's several options on the screen right there where you can give, how you can give, whatever works best for you, whether you're in the building or you're watching online. If you brought a physical gift today, you want to give in person. Uh, before you get to the foyer, there's a giving station on either side of the doors. Also, when you get out to the foyer, to the right at our kids' check-in, there is also right there a giving station. Hey, anybody else enjoy being in church today? I know that I Hey, one more thing. Next week, if you're interested in being a new Connect Group leader, next week uh, we will be having a new Connect Group leader meeting during the second service. It's going to be rad. So, hey, we love you guys. We will see you very soon.